0: Welcome to Talking Dairy, where we dive into the most important topics on the minds of Kiwi dairy farmers. We're hearing a lot about foot and mouth disease since it appeared in Indonesia in May this year and more recently in Bali, currently a hotspot for Kiwi travellers. Thanks to our strong biosecurity controls, New Zealand has never had a case here, but the risk of FMD coming in on the footprint of an unwary traveller is now a little too close for comfort. So what are the risks to farmers and primary industry as a whole? And more importantly, who is responsible and what do we need to do to be prepared? Here to talk about this with us today is Liz Shackleton, Biosecurity Manager for Dairy NZ. Liz is going to talk about the level of risk, who's involved, and share some tips for farmers on what to look for and what to do. Let's get into it. Liz, thanks so much for, for taking up some time to come on the podcast today to talk about foot and mouth. You have a, uh, a fascinating career, a bit of a background that's quite interesting, I understand. Tell us what led to your role in biosecurity here in New Zealand.
1: Thanks, Ben. Um, so having grown up in Ireland on a 40-cow dairy farm where we originally started off bale milking, I guess it was just a real draw to come and see a whole different system in New Zealand the larger farms, the different diseases, and those cows, you know, they travel around more than your average rugby team. For a vet that was interested in animal diseases, what wasn't to like? I really hopped on the first plane over after vet school to go out and work as a rural dairy vet in Huntley. And I guess over the years, have increasingly realised that as Kiwis, we really enjoy a lot of freedoms to farm the way we do. Protecting those freedoms and our way of life is now a large part of the day job in biosecurity at DairyNZ, And that includes the work my crew do in the Mycoplasma bovis program.
0: Where do you come from in Ireland,
1: Liz? I come from County Cavan, which is um, in the Republic, but on the border with the north of Ireland.
0: So Huntley would have been a, a fairly big change?
1: Not quite the Lord of the Rings experience I was anticipating, But it does have the DECA sign and amazing um, farming community there. So, um, yeah, it worked out pretty well.
0: Hey, so Liz, we've managed to keep foot and mouth disease out so far. Tell us whereabouts it is in the world at the moment and how much of a threat is it to our primary industries?
1: So FMD, or foot and mouth disease, is New Zealand's biggest biosecurity threat. If we look globally, it's endemic in some parts of the world, Ben like Central Africa, Asia and the Middle East. But then in May of this year, Indonesia declared an outbreak after they had been free of the disease for 30 odd years. And as we know, Indonesia has around 16 million cattle over there. So the Indonesians have gone ahead and declared a national state of emergency, including in Bali, a really popular tourist spot as we know for Kiwis and where livestock and people, they're often in close proximity to each other. So this outbreak really has kind of heightened the risk to Australia and New Zealand. And then if we look at the virus itself, probably the key thing around FMD is it's easy to spread, but it's very hard to stop. It spreads faster than the other animal diseases, so like bovis, and it targets our cloven hooved or our two-toed animals. So think your cattle, sheep, deer pigs, goats, and then those alpacas and llamas on lifestyle blocks. And I guess if it reached us here in New Zealand, Ben, there'd be a huge impact on our rural communities, our exports and cost billions to the economy with flow-on effects for all New Zealanders. I mean, you might have spotted some of the news articles earlier this week where we had some economists estimating between a 15 to $25 billion impact And when we look at the UK outbreak, it had losses of about 8 billion pounds, which equates to about 15 billion New Zealand dollars. And, you know, we really saw those significant impacts in the UK in 2001. And there were many Kiwi and Aussie vets actually working on the ground at that time. So back home, we're uniting to do everything that we can to protect our farming community from the same fate.
0: Liz, you mentioned that UK outbreak. That was 2001, wasn't it? But was there another one a a bit later? But 2001 was the main one, right?
1: That's right. The big one was 2001. And then they did have another outbreak around 2007. And probably the fact that they'd been through the first one and were better prepared, basically the 2007 outbreak wasn't to the same extent as the first one yet.
0: And in 2001, It was just over 6 million animals were culled. Is that right?
1: Significant culls, yeah, Ben. And I think probably the main take home out of that as well is time is money when you're working in a disease response. And really every minute and hour counts. So the faster you can get on top of it, the more likely you are to basically come out of it quicker.
0: So Liz, what steps are being taken to contain it?
1: Yeah, sure thing. So let's look offshore. So Biosecurity New Zealand and MPI are really ramping up their work at the border. They're paying much closer attention now to travellers and goods arriving in from Indonesia. They're stepping up baggage searches with 100% screening going on from countries of risk. And then at the airport, any arriving passengers will definitely be spotting a heap more information out there around FMD to promote awareness and I guess really importantly to think about for any overseas travellers or workers that are planning to come into New Zealand and go on farm, they need to have a full one week stand down time before they go on to farm. So definitely the measures at the border are ramping up then.
0: Is there a concern that FMD can hitch a ride with imported stock feed or imported goods?
1: Yeah, you know, we've actually had quite a few farmers ringing in the last couple of weeks asking us about this, and MPI have been looking at PKE as a risk pathway. They've just finished completing on-the-ground audits over in Indonesia of the PKE supply chain, and basically those audits showed that the standards were being met to manage the risk. However, another pathway that can often be overlooked is actually untreated meat, Ben, It's really important that any uncooked meat or waste that might have contacted raw meat isn't fed to pigs. And why is this important? The usual way that FMD gets into a country is through contaminated animal products. So, think like salami, ham, or waste products, which is then fed to FMD susceptible animals like pigs. And it's also a risk pathway for other viruses that we want to keep out of New Zealand like African swine fever or ASF.
0: Have I got this right? Is it so contagious that if a school kid was eating a sandwich with some imported salami in it, ate the salami, chucked the bread in the bin, and that bread went to a local pig farm, you know, or a local farmer, and and the the pig ate it. If there was FMD in that, the virus in that uh, salami, even just having contact with the bread, it could be transmitted. Is Is that correct?
1: That is the number one way that FMD has gotten into countries in the past is through those type of contaminated animal products. So basically, it is really important that any uncooked meat or waste that might have been in touch or contacted raw meat isn't basically fed on to pigs. So think about putting it in a different bin, but definitely um, in terms of feeding, avoid at all costs feeding anything that might have contacted raw meat to pigs. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, sure. So being prepared is everything, obviously. What can be done now and who's responsible for that, Liz?
1: So basically totally agree with you there. It is about being prepared, but I am also really mindful that it's such a busy time out there at the minute for farmers, calves on the ground, a million other jobs on the go. But I guess now that FMD is near, we've got to do all we can to stop it getting here. And if it does, stamp it out as quickly as we can. I think everybody can help play a role here. It doesn't fall to one person. We're all a part of the biosecurity system and we can all reduce the chance of FMD getting in by taking some simple precautions. And many of which, when we sit down and chat to farmers about the biosecurity plans, a lot of farmers find that they're already doing some of this stuff. So a couple of things you could think about if you're on farm at the minute that might be helpful. So firstly, If you're bringing someone into the country to work on farm from overseas, please ensure that they do have that full one week stand down from the time they arrive into New Zealand to when they go out on farm. Have a think about having a check that your biosecurity plans and your NATE records are all up to date. Think of NATE as like our contact tracing system. It is going to play such a crucial part in an FMD outbreak. And so checking those records are all up to date. You know, and think how about your clean on, clean off processes when you're visiting farms? Are they up to scratch? And that includes thoroughly cleaning and disinfecting your boots, your clothing, any farm vehicles and equipment, and a check do you actually have enough supplies on hand at the moment? And thinking are your vet or other workers that might be coming on the farm aware of what your farm's biosecurity requirements are? And as we've chatted about, No one cooked meat to susceptible animals, especially pigs. And then what if you spotted suspect or FMD symptoms? Really call your vet straight away or the MPI pest and disease hotline. We've got the number available in a number of places and that number is 0800 80 Um, The Dairy NZ FMD page has all this information for you there, including what you might need to look out for. And handy resources to try and save people some time. But remember, there's lots of support out there. Your local vet can also really help to build your own team's defence lines against biosecurity threats. And I think, Ben, you know, this can at times see that, it, you know, it's a big threat overseas. It can seem overwhelming. But it's well worth remembering that our farming community have successfully united in the past against other diseases. And we can do it again.
0: So, Liz, you know, overseas, having gone through these experiences, what have they learned about the importance of having some kind of tracing system?
1: Basically, the 101 of any disease control is to find, contain, and control it as quickly as you can. Finding it and containing it both really is underpinned by traceability. So, we saw this in the UK. If you've got a tracing system in place, Basically, any threat that comes through will stress test that. And it basically in the UK gave them the opportunity to go ahead and strengthen the system for the future. We've also seen it here in terms of COVID with our contact tracing as well. And more recently in New Zealand, the MBOVIS response and the MBOVIS outbreak, it really came through and stress tested our own NATE system. That has given us opportunities to strengthen the system, and there are ongoing improvements to that, but absolutely crucial that we all step up and play a part, and that includes keeping our own net records up to date. So basically, if there was any threat that had came through, any farm very quickly can know where our animals have been, where the movements are, to be able to find and contain and control the disease.
0: Mm, Sure. If we do have an outbreak, Liz, how do we recognise it before it spreads and what actions can we take?
1: Again, like with COVID, Ben, this virus is a real slippery character and it can spread unnoticed under the radar. Animals can actually shed FMD before they even start showing signs of being sick. And this is because the virus's incubation period is up to 14 days. And as an example, in the UK outbreak, by the time they'd found the first farm, FMD had already silently spread in the community onto many other farms. So it really brings home that our best defence lines for FMD for a farm are to act like it might already be here in the country with two things. Robust farm biosecurity practices, including NATE or contact tracing system, and two, actively looking out for the unusual.
0: You touched on the risk posed by sort of imported meats and things like that if we feed those to pigs, but how else does FMD get onto a farm and what would a farmer see if it was on their farm?
1: FMD spreads animal to animal through a number of pathways, breath, saliva, through mucus, milk and faeces, so quite a few routes. And then between farms, it can spread through people and animal movements, contaminated equipment, machinery, vehicles, and actually across fence lines. It can also be carried by wind and water. And then what would we see? Um, Foot and mouth usually starts off as a fever, and then we see blisters, mainly in the mouth and the feet. And you do need to look quite carefully for them. So if you've got that lame animal, making sure we hose out the feet, we have a really good look at them if you think you might have suspect signs. And then in cattle, You can also see drooling and lip smacking, sore feet with those blisters, shivering and often a drop in milk production. And the signs can vary depending on the strain and across sheep, deer and pigs. So again, we've got some information up on the Dairy NZ FMD page on the type of signs you might want to look out for. And I think the key thing is if you spot any of these signs, call your local vet straight away or the MPI pest and disease hotline. And then in terms of human health, we often get asked, is FMD a people risk? FMD is not considered a significant risk to humans. There have only been really extremely rare cases in people with minor symptoms. And another question we get is, it's definitely not related to hand, foot and mouth disease, (laughs) which is a common viral illness in kids and anyone young kids will be familiar with at the moment. And then when we look at the food safety elements, if New Zealand had an outbreak of FMD, the commercially produced food and drink we have would be safe to eat and drink.
0: Liz, talk us through the first days of an outbreak. What would an FMD outbreak look like on, say, a mid-sized dairy unit here?
1: Well, let's hope that day never comes, Ben. But if we found FMD in New Zealand, all of New Zealand would need to unite and go hard and early against it. MPI would immediately notify our government and the World Organization for Animal Health. All exports from FMD suspect animals would stop immediately and all animal products en route to our trading partners would be turned around and returned to New Zealand. Our Prime Minister would announce a national biosecurity emergency and it's highly likely that a national livestock standstill would be activated. Now this standstill is like a level four lockdown for livestock. All movements of stocks susceptible to FMD must stop as quickly as possible, And the reason why this is to stop the spread of the virus, and it has played a crucial role in overseas FMD outbreaks. And then for any farms that had tested FMD positive, they'd have movement restrictions placed on that farm, with roadblocks and signage so movements would be monitored. And to help to stop the spread of the virus, all susceptible animals on infected properties would be culled within 24 hours of confirming a positive result. So this comes back to what we discussed earlier, that every minute and hour counts in an FMD outbreak, the quicker we can contain and control that disease, the more of the national herd we'll save.
0: So we know FMD has been in China and Malaysia for a while. uh, And I think you mentioned some other countries, maybe in Africa earlier. Yeah. How's this different to New Zealand? What are the impacts of an outbreak?
1: So for FMD-free countries like us, the priority is stamp it out as quickly as possible, find, contain, control any outbreak. And why do we take this approach? Because if we got FMD... Our dairy, red meat and pork exports would stop until the disease was eradicated. That could take many, many months, especially if we're looking down the barrel of a large outbreak. And obviously we talked about the significant flow on effects financially and socially for our rural communities and for all New Zealanders. High animal cost, high human cost and tens of billions of economic cost and I'm sure we agree that's something we all want to avoid as we work through a global pandemic at the moment. In some countries, they do use vaccination, and vaccination can also be one of the controls used as an emergency measure during an outbreak. But the decision what approach a country takes, and whether to vaccinate or not, is actually pretty complex. It really depends on what the disease picture is looking like on the ground at the time, the strain we're dealing with, the potential for it to spread, and then also the country's own status, the export markets and a bunch of wider factors. So it varies from country to country how you decide to approach and tackle FMD.
0: Liz, just one last question. How do farmers keep updated on this? Where should they go for the latest information?
1: So MPI and the industry partners, we are all monitoring the situation really closely and we'll be sending out regular updates. I guess a silver lining we can take home from our Mbovis and then our COVID experience is a much stronger and closer partnership. We've been working together strongly for some time now to make faster decisions, which is, I think, a real positive. Our Dairy NZ website, it has a dedicated FMD page with the information you'll need and what we chatted through today and also some handy resources to help if you want to get a plan and other things in place. You can also stay informed by checking out MPI's FMD webpage and also their news updates which they're sending out. And I guess probably a final thought really Ben is it does take all of us to protect New Zealand from FMD but I have real hope that as Kiwis we have a strong proven track record in strong defence lines and that's going to play a really big part in our efforts against FMD. We are stronger together.
0: Good on you, Liz, and thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks a million, Ben. Have a great day. Thanks
0: for tuning in to Talking Dairy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, go to dairynz.co.nz forward slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast platforms.